0: Hello, and welcome to the Recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The Recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the November 27th episode. We're on 41. Last week was 40 and I let, the, I let it pass by, but this is episode 41 and we are getting scary close to the end of the Bible we're so close yeah we're really close to finishing it even though we actually started in February so by the time our Bible reading plan challenge starts in January we're still going to be finishing our first year yes I
1: think I had already read it but yeah you're right as far as a dive collective yeah
0: right so actually this would be a good time to mention that for those of you who are listening it just makes me laugh inside just saying that all of you uh, all of you three, we're going to do the Bible recap, uh, Bible reading plan challenge starting in January. And we would love to have you join us or anybody else. We have another big announcement that we'll be making hopefully in the next week or two mm-hmm. about what that looks like, where that'll be hosted and how that's going to play out over the next year. So definitely stay tuned for that. I'm sure you'll be getting a flood of emails as it all starts to release. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. All right, we are in 1 Chronicles in a couple of prophets, James and First, First Peter. Peter. Yes. So let's start in 1 Chronicles. I did some flipping back
1: and you actually mentioned this when we were talking earlier, but oh. we've talked before how Chronicles mirrors like Samuel's
0: Kings James, mm-hmm.
1: and so David's military census.
0: Yes. I you was going Be- back and forth. And no Bathsheba. Bathsheba isn't even talked about in Chronicles. Right. Yeah. Mariah She's, gets mentioned as one of the over. main men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's yeah, th- it talks about here. it talks about David's great sin in my head. David's great sin is Bathsheba. Right. But that was not the great sin.
1: Mm-mm. It was the census. Yes. Right? Yes. Which I, I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around why this was the great sin. And so it's 2 Samuel 24. The reason I went back there is because I don't know what the message says, but this is in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1 in the CSB, it says, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to count the people of Israel. Yes. like, Satan, I don't remember that. I flip back. Did you flip back at all? I didn't. What'd you find? Okay. So 2 Samuel 24 is where the same story is recorded. In Second Samuel 24, verse one says, the Lord's anger burned against Israel again, and he stirred up David against them to say, go count the people of Israel and Judah.
0: Oh, it said that the Lord did it. Yes. Yeah. Makes me think of Job, right? Yes. Like they're, yes, the way that they work exactly. together.
1: Yep. Yes. Like I pictured, that's exactly what I pictured because the other note, the footnote in my Bible says that Satan could just be an adversary. But when I read Satan, I was totally picturing Job, like this whole big scene in, you know, that whole realm that we don't know anything much about. And I picture Satan, especially when I flipped back. And that's funny that that's
0: the first line of that chapter. in second Samuel 24.
1: And And the very first verse of 21
0: Mm -hmm. in first Chronicles Mm -hmm. says, now Satan entered the scene and seduced David into taking a census of Israel. That's what mine says. Mm -hmm. Why is the census so bad? What's
1: wrong with David taking a census? We go back. So we were talking
0: about before that was the application (laughs) and why I may leave in the part where I'm laughing (laughs) about. Hello listeners. I have no idea how many of you are three of you. We were just talking about the fact that we can't get the numbers for the people who are listening to the recap. Um so I know that we did get the numbers for one of our other podcast or for our other podcast and I was really discouraged by those numbers but we can't get the numbers for people who are listening to the recap and I said it made me think of this passage in First Chronicles because I think that's what it's about is like I equate numbers with fruit yes. and that is not how God sees it at all and I know that it's wrong To do it that way. But, you know, as we're doing this ministry, the numbers of members that we have, or the numbers of people that are listening, or the numbers of whatever, like that, it's really hard as a human not to translate that to whether it's all worth it or not. Mm -hmm. And that is not, there's no faith involved in that at all. I think they were actually told not to count. I can't remember where or how, but I think that's the reason that we're told not to count because if this is what we're supposed to be doing, this is what we're supposed to be doing. No matter how many we have, how many ears are listening, we're either supposed to be doing it or not. And so we're either doing it in faith, trusting that the fruit is God's to grow, or we're doing it for our own fame or our own glory or whatever. Mm -hmm. So,
1: Well, and when it comes to something like, when it comes to spiritual things, you can't like you kind of said already, you cannot, right. You can't quantify it. You can't, but I think about it with dive collective in the sense that if we shut down tomorrow, it wouldn't be a fail because of the fruit that's been born this year. And so like number wise, like if I look at it, as far as the world sees success, that it would be a fail, but it's not a fail.
0: Likewise, if we shut down dive collective because of the numbers And not because that's what God is leading us to do. Like it would be a fail, right? We should be standing here at our post, as long as this is the post that God Mm -hmm. has called us to, and we should be listening for his voice for when we know that time is up. And I think that he's, I don't think, I know he's more than capable of communicating his desires. (laughs) Right. If there's anything that he's proved over the course of time, it's that he can communicate that. And so who knows? And I found it to be true in other areas of my life, the places where I'm not counting and I'm trusting. Well, first there's more joy in it, but there's usually more success too when I'm just doing it because that's what I'm supposed to be. That's what I want to be doing or what I feel like God's calling me to do. So we're glad you're tuning into the recap and we'll get right back to it shortly. But did you know, we're going to be hosting a Bible reading plan challenge starting in 2021? We'll have incentives and accountability, and spoiler alert, listening to the recap will count as you're reading if you fall behind. If you're already reading along, maybe you could join our podcast as a guest. This challenge will be a fun and easy way to get your friends and family to dive into God's Word with you. This way we can all be on the same page all year long. Please rate, review, and share the recap. It helps people find us and builds our community of believers who love God's Word. But yeah, that role, that like weird balance between like where where is Satan at play and where is God at play mm-hmm. and who's doing what, it makes me think of the gospel. You know, we're in Mark and we were just talking about the fact that like the priests were supposed to be preparing the Passover the night that they were conniving to arrest Jesus. And little did they know that they were preparing the <laughs> actual Passover lamb, you know, like this is... Yes, Satan is 100% involved in that. It says that Satan entered Judas and he did Mm -hmm. all of these things, but that all had to be done in order for God's plan to work out. Mm -hmm. Will we ever understand? No. Yeah. But it's pretty, it's pretty cool that God can write stories like this. Yeah. I would say that was probably the most remarkable thing I found. So David moves... At this time, the tabernacle that Moses had constructed in the desert and with it, the altar of burnt offering were set up at the worship center at Gibeon. But David, terrified by the angel's sword, wouldn't go there to pray to God anymore. So David declared, from now on, this is the site of the worship of God. This is the place for Israel's altar of burnt offering. That's chapter 21, verses 29 through 30. That is also the place that Abraham sacrificed Isaac. You probably knew that already. I did not know that.
1: Oh, no, I didn't make the connection. I didn't think about that.
0: I was, I literally wrote what is happening here and went to the commentaries because I was like, I don't understand. But, um, and also I think the way that you've, it's written in your Bible is probably different. So actually, could you tell me what yours says in 29 through 30? This is 27, this last paragraph.
1: The Lord spoke to the angel and he put his sword back into its sheath. At that time, David offered sacrifices there when he saw that the Lord answered him at the threshing floor of Burnan the Jebusite. The tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of burnt offering were at the high place in Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God because he was terrified of the sword of the Lord's angel. Then David said, this is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So Gibeon is where Moses offered Isaac. I mean, Abraham offered Isaac. No, No.
0: this threshing floor. This new place is Mount Moriah, I think. That's what I read wherever this is, is where, where Abraham took Isaac. So interesting. I wonder how they know where that is and where the temple was built. I'm like
1: looking, right. Cause that's this place where David started offering is where Solomon builds the temple. Right. Right. Which that was interesting to me. It seemed like something that God would not be okay with. Like, it seemed like God would want David to go to the place that had been set up. Yeah. And David's like, nope, I'm scared. I'm staying here.
0: Yes. And so and that's I actually, was reading this thinking, huh? Yes. That was my reaction too, which is why I went to the commentaries and something about the way that if I remember I should look, but the commentary I read made me think that the way that it was, the way that it's translated isn't like, it would be more ideal to understand that like, this is where God wanted it moved
1: originally.
0: We're, no, where like that's where God wanted the temple to be built.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: but yeah, it almost looks like it's David's fear that's causing it to be the place of worship mm-hmm. to be moved.
1: It kind of goes back to what you were saying. I mean, it's a little different, but how Satan had Satan does these things, and God uses it for His purposes. This is like David doing that's the something thing. that seems like he's doing it for his own purposes, but God's like, no, that's what actually I wanted all along.
0: Yeah. Also it's an angel. The death angel is also called the angel of God. David gets those
1: three options. This was another thing that was interesting to me. Like God's like, okay, because you counted when you weren't supposed to count, you are going to have consequences. I'm going to let you choose the consequences. You can have three months or three, three years of famine, three months of people devastating you, like your enemies devastating you or three days of the sword of the Lord, which is a plague on the land, the angel of the Lord, bringing destruction to the whole territory by I'm thinking through this and I'm thinking, I probably pick, I don't know what I would pick, but David in verse 11, David says, please let me fall into the Lord's hands because his mercies are very great, but don't let me fall into human hands. So David chooses the three days
0: of God, the plague of God's
1: punishment. nobody yes, else can so be explained, right? And so, yes, there's I feel like there's so much to think about in that. Like, David's like, so much mercy. I don't want to fall in the hands of the people because they're people, but I know that God, even in his justice, is yes. full of mercy. So, so good. Oh
0: my gosh, right? What I, I want, that. I love that so much.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, I just. But but like if you keep reading, yes. Like, David sees more of God's wrath and His justice than of His mercy in this story. Like, it's not yes. like what I want to happen is for God to say, "Okay, David, you recognize that I'm my hands are where you want to be, and you know that I'm merciful, so that's what I'm going to show you. Like, I'm going to show mercy." Yes. But the consequence is still there. Like the Severe. angel, the plague comes. Yes, seventy thousand Israelite men died. But dynamic. then. So right after David says that he wants to be in God's hands because his mercies are great, it says the Lord sent a plague on Israel and 70,000 Israelite men died. Then God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. But when the angel was about to destroy the city, the Lord looked, relented concerning the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, enough, withdraw your hand now. The angel of the Lord was then standing at the threshing floor of Ornan and the Jebusite. And then the whole altar thing happens. So like there is the plague comes Mercy. and the people are killed. Yeah. And then the angel is getting ready to go through and destroy the city. And God
0: says, God holds Enough. back. Yeah. Yeah. He's so terrible and so good. Terrible in an awesome way. Mm. But we have. Oh, to it was
1: to, I was just talking about with my kids the other day, we were talking about fearing God and like, yeah. just what that looks like.
0: There was this really
1: like super fast. This might not be worthy, but this might not be podcast worthy, recap worthy. But in 22, there's something that David says when he's talking to Solomon as he's dying. And he says, it just made me think of like, what a cool prayer slash like just something to keep in mind as I'm parenting. Oh, It's in verse 12 of 22. It says above all, may the Lord give you insight and understanding when he puts you in of Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord, your God. Then you will succeed if you follow the statutes and ordinances of that the Lord God commanded Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid afraid or discouraged. And I just thought about that as a mom. Like, I, I mean, I'm not in charge of Israel, but like God has given me these people. He's put me in charge of these four little people. And in relation to Solomon, David's asking for the Lord to give him insight and understanding so that he can keep the law of the Lord, your God. And just like Just that overarching theme of like walking in the spirit and following God's ways is like the biggest part of what I do as a mom. Like, oh, so true.
0: We read Obadiah, which is one chapter, Jonah, four chapters and two chapters into Micah. Jonah's where I want to spend our time. Obadiah is interesting because it's about Esau's descendants, Mm -hmm. uh, which I was literally just talking to Jeff about Jacob and Esau the day before I read that. It's Cool. Jonah is interesting because Jonah is a prophet again to the Gentiles to Ninevites. Mm-hmm. And so these are the first two prophets that I think really prophesy to Gentiles. The other prophets have all been. Yeah. So Israel, specifically. Right? Yeah. yeah I mean,
1: like those other places kind of tie in, but Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Jonah, God calls Jonah to go to the Ninevites because he's going to, he's going to rebuke them and they're going to listen, but Jonah does not want to go to the Ninevites and he runs. What struck me about Jonah this time that I've never read before because it gets um, forgotten in the belly of the whale Mm -hmm. is the before part and how it says Jonah was running from God. Jonah was running from God. He got on the ship with these people to set sail to Tarsus. Tarshish. Yep, nope, that's right. Goes to Tarshish, and he's on the ship, and there's a great storm. Jonah goes down to sleep. He's trying to lay low. While he was down to sleep, the captain came into him and said, "What's this? Sleeping? Get up! Pray to your God. May your God will see. Maybe your God will see that we're in trouble and rescue us." And Jonah's like, "I have bad news. I'm the reason that there is this storm. It's because of my God, and because I'm running from Him, basically." He says, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's draw straws to identify who it is. Jonah, they find out that it's Jonah and Jonah confesses and says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship God, the God of heaven, who made sea and land. At that, the men were frightened, really frightened and said, what on earth have you done? As Jonah talked, the sailors realized that he was running away from God. They said to him, what are we going to do with you to get rid of this storm? By this time, the sea was wild, totally out of control. Jonah said, throw me overboard. So Jonah says, throw me overboard. The men were frightened, really frightened and said, what on earth have you done? They're seeing that this Hebrew and whoever this Hebrew God is acts, like the earth acts on his behalf. behalf. Yeah. And so then they don't want to kill him. They don't want to throw him over because they're like, okay, well, if you are an actual worshiper of this God, we don't want to be responsible for your death. Like I'm not going to kill a man of God, a man of this God. And so they try not to throw him and eventually they're like, there's no, we have no option. Like our only option is we all perish or you go. And so they do throw him overboard and immediately the storm stops. Then they prayed, Oh God, don't let us drown because of this man's life and don't blame us for his death. You are God. Do what you think is best. They took Jonah through him overboard. Immediately the sea was quieted down. The sailors were impressed, no longer terrified by the sea, but in awe of God, they worshiped God, offered a sacrifice and made vows. I don't know why that just was like such a great reminder to me that like it is our sin and our brokenness, like the fruit of our sin and brokenness and surrender glorifies God. Like that is the fruit mm-hmm. of that is God's glory. It's not our perfection. It's not our. It makes me think again of that phrase. It says, "Bear fruit in keeping with repentance." It's the turning back. Mm-hmm. It's the repenting. Of the sin that he knew we were all he always knew we were going to commit. And that we have to keep with repentance because we will always be found Mm -hmm. in sin. And that the fruit comes from the repentance from the sin. Like it was never, we were never intended to be perfect. Fruit doesn't come out of perfection perfect living. Fruit comes out of confession and repentance. And I don't know why that's so profound. It's obviously a basic truth, but there's just so much comfort in that idea that. I think it's profound because as believers, we put
1: so much emphasis on doing the right thing Yes. Like this is, and there, like, there is an aspect of that. Like as believers, we are called to live a certain way. We are called to reflect Christ. Like there is truth to that and God can still use our right living for his glory. Like, it's not like that's not glorifying to God, but that's not the only way, or I don't know, maybe it's not even the main way like that repentance like our like you said our brokenness and our repentance because it's not like just the sin itself i mean i guess god can use it but it's the repentance is that is what yes. bears the fruit and i think that's why it's profound is because i think as believers as a whole the church tends to put a lot more focus on
0: james on doing the
1: right thing, yes, right living, live this way, look this way.
0: Yes, yeah, speak and this way. And repentance can get lost sometimes mm-hmm. in that. This would be actually be a great time to transition to James, but I think you had something from Jonah. Jonah was just... Whiny and annoying?
1: Yes, but it's so... Dif- like, it just stuck out to me as different than all of the other prophets. Like, it's like a story. It's less... Yes. It, just, it felt like a different genre. Like, it almost felt like I was reading you know, back in first Kings, it just, it just reads differently than Obadiah or. Right.
0: Because it's really like Jonah's stupidity and whininess mm -hmm. and absurdity. Like Mm -hmm. it's his own Greek tragedy that brings God glory. Right. That's what the other thing that stuck out to me too,
1: which kind of goes into the repentance thing was when Jonah's praying, when he's in the belly of the fish and he says, verse four, he says, I've been banished from your sight yet. I will look once more." And then goes on to say that you raised my life from the pit as my life was fading away. I remembered the Lord and then yada, yada, we know what happens. So just like, and we've talked about it before that idea that like, it's not too late. Like it's never too late for repentance. It's never too late for repentance.
0: And in case you don't know the end of the story, he goes to Nineveh and where you never see Israel repent. Well, I shouldn't say you never see Israel repent. He goes to Nineveh and he speaks the word of the Lord. And like the King is in sackcloth and orders everybody else to, including Mm -hmm. animals to get into sackcloth Mm -hmm. and to fast and pray for God's mercy and forgiveness. And they get it. And then of course, which that's right. And that's the, we don't see Jonah repent. Like that is an interesting
1: thing. Like he gets thrown overboard and he's in the belly of that whale. He repents. Then God is upset with him because Jonah's mad. Jonah's mad at God. For sparing Nineveh, like God shows his great mercy. And the illustration Nineveh of the tree. Repents right in the tree. And Jonah's mad about it. Yeah. And he doesn't repent, like then it's over. Like, you don't, so see I it. always wonder like what ended up happening with Jonah?
0: Yes. He doesn't end well in his book. So many questions.
1: James and first Peter.
0: I read first Peter. I'm not going to say a lot about first Peter. I, I actually wrote a little bit about first Peter in the weekly truth this past week. And it's probably my favorite part. One of the things that stood out to me that I love is Eugene Peterson's version of my favorite verse from first Peter chapter one verses like four through seven ish mm-hmm. says, God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggra- aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. Mm-hmm. And I keep saying, like, this idea that faith, like, it was always about faith
1: mm-hmm.
0: and nothing else. And not, not anything else. Like the the thing that makes Jesus in awe of the centurion was his faith. Like when you see Jesus is amazed, it's by faith. Like that is, Mm -hmm. the faith is going to be what's on display as evidence of his victory. And I feel like the faith, like that's what suffering brings, right? Suffering and trial is when you discover that you even have, that your faith is real. You know, like you don't even know whether what you believe you really believe until you've actually been through the fire i just like it made so much sense and the rest of that verse in the other versions that i've read it in i've loved but the way that eugene peterson writes it Mm -hmm. it's like yes like that's that makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense to me that faith is what's going to be on display in the last day not our works not anything else just the faith that we had that jesus is who he says he is cool yeah (sighs) that is so oh and then the other thing is i read first peter so when i read when i sat down to write our, our our weekly truth for this past Thanksgiving, it was the first time in a long time that like, I kind of sat down and was like, I, if the world is my oyster, like, what do I want to say? Like, Mm -hmm. what's the thing that I would share this week? And that's how the weekly truth came out. And so this was kind of fun to be, have been studying Mark, uh, who we think may be retelling Peter's story. He's telling, Mm -hmm. um, Peter's telling the story to Mark. Mark is writing it down for all of us in the order that to, for the message that he wants to share. So to read first Peter in this, this idea that, okay, the writer of the gospel that we've just been studying is now sitting down to write a letter. And he's, he probably is thinking like, if I, if I had anything to say,
1: right. what is the what thing that I, I would to choose say? to say
0: to these people? So kind of reading first Peter with that intimate, like, this is Peter's heart for us. I want to read it. I want to read Peter's heart was kind of precious to think of it mm-hmm. through like that character that we've been watching all mm-hmm. through all through the study, who currently in chapter 15 has abandoned his Lord.
1: Yeah. That kind of ties into one of the things that stuck out for me. I think at least three times he talks about, he like calls us to love constantly like that idea, which made me think about like Peter, the Peter that we know in the gospels, (laughs) not a love constantly kind of guy. He's kind of cynical and kind of, judgmental and just thinking about it from this, like this is Peter after Christ has died and risen. And he knows he sees more of the big, he sees the big picture now. And so, and that, and one of the things that he emphasizes when he, when the world is his oyster and he gets to say what he wants is like, just love constantly. I'm going to
0: read it because Because first that I born again. Yes. This is most of all, Love each other as if your life depended on it. Love Mm -hmm. makes up for practically anything. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like when just what you're saying there, like thinking about in terms of Peter, I love that idea. That's so cool. Love like your life depended on it. Love Mm -hmm. makes up for practically anything. I love that idea. Like no matter, like whatever you do, love will make up for it. So cool.
1: Which is kind of like, like I was thinking of it in relation to. And like Peter in relation to the people around him, but if you think about Peter in relationship to Jesus, like yeah. he loved Jesus, and that's his, what he says. Jesus, Peter do you lo-
0: Peter? Do you love me? Yeah, Peter, do yes. you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times. That's what he gets, says to make up for. I mean, not to make up for, but yes, to make after, up for. Actually, like that's kind of the way that I've started to read it. his denial, it, like, you mean? He denies him three times, and then he and then Jesus allows him to make make up for it in quotes. I love that in terms, like thinking about that in terms of like, he was making up for it by declaring his love for him. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know, I do. Yeah. Jesus knew he did. Jesus totally mm-hmm. knew he did, but he got to say it to him three times. Love makes up for practically anything. Yeah.
1: Ah. Even denial.
0: <laughs> so good. All right. That's the recap. We will see you next week. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.